Hello and welcome to Comic Book Decalogue. My name is Greg, recording on behalf of TCJ.com. On this podcast, we ask cartoonists 10 questions on the way to codifying the perfect comics interview. Look, a lot of people think the Comics Journal is all about provocation. It's not true. A lot of it is pure research and development. Is my own goal? To eventually replace other comics podcasters with Amazon Echoes. Controversial in its own right? A little, I guess. But would it really be that bad? Gina Winbrandt is our guest this month. Gina is the cartoonist behind the hit 2016 collection, Someone Please Have Sex With Me, from 2D Cloud, a publisher lately of Chicago, which is Gina's home base as well. She's one of the funniest artists going right now, and, as we'll hear, sort of a cartoonist at a crossroads. If you are at the crossroads of TCJ.com and the iTunes store, by the way, you can find other episodes of this program by searching TCJ Talkies. Maybe even write a review, which evidently no one has done in the last three <laughs> years before Comic Book Decalogue even started. Maybe people are saving up for episode 25, but you could be the first. And now, 10 questions with a very funny, very talented Gina Winbrandt. Do you have a sense among like your Spanish readers, your growing body of Spanish readers, how well the pop culture references in your work track? Like I know the Kardashians, for instance, or Bieber are international celebrities, but I would be curious to learn your impressions of like how how American your comics are yeah. in the eyes of the world. I'm also very curious because I know Alessandra initially did have some trouble selling like uh, the foreign rights at first, or mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it was Spain exactly, but other countries were like, yes, yeah, a bit too American, some of the references, but she won them over. Nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, I personally have not really. The only note that my translator had when she was working at it is that um, I have a joke where it's um, like a keyboard smash, where it's like, no, like slash question mark question mark you know exclamation point one mm-hmm. one one. They're like, she's like, what does that mean? <laughs> that was the only question she hmm. had. That's fine. Right, well, I'll roll into the list proper now, uh, and the first one is, what's the last comic you finished reading? Hmm. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I think it was I Am a Hero. Um, I forget the the author's name, but it's a zombie manga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's like a he, the protagonist is one of the few people in Japan that has a gun, so it like huh. <laughs> makes his story interesting. Yeah, it was pretty good. Is that mostly what you grew up reading, comics-wise? Um, I didn't grow up reading that many comics, but of the few I did, um, yeah, I liked reading uh, manga, and you know, I was into Sailor Moon from an early age. And, mm-hmm. Um, besides that, I would read, you know, the comics everyone else read, like Archie and Calvin and Hobbes. Um, but I don't think I've ever read a superhero comic, like, in its entirety. <laughs> I, that's a nice thing, I think, about comics as it is right now. That like, like, I think I'm only a few years older than you, but I feel like even the people I know who are, like, my age or slightly older, they reliably had some grounding in superhero mm-hmm. comics before yeah. they moved on to whatever their preoccupation is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, 
you fell into comics during art school. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. you were at the Arts Institute of Chicago. Yeah, the School of Art Institute, and I originally was there to study fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took uh, their like high school program and thought it was going to be you know running Manhattan right about <laughs> mm-hmm. now. <laughs> um, but uh, I was so bad at sewing and just horrible at the program. Like, I'm very lazy. It's easy to be uh-huh. like a lazy cartoonist, I think. But uh, I was just struggling. And uh, I dropped out of the program. I was like, I'll just take fun, easy classes, like, about comics. And then uh, it, I liked it and was, you know, well encouraged. So I kept doing it. As you've gotten more and more immersed in the world of comics, you know, you're published at 2D Cloud, for instance, which is known for doing uh, experimental work, for lack of a better word. What have been the more exciting discoveries you've had? About, um... Work, well, work yeah. or genres, or... Um, yeah. I mean, finding 2D Cloud has definitely been amazing. Uh, I had not heard of them before they approached me to publish my work. Um, and... It's very exciting. Um, I don't know. I would have norm. I feel yeah. Sometimes my work is a bit different than the rest of the work. To do. I mean, I, they do a fair share of like autobio stuff as well. Um, but yeah, I really love like Austin English and Andy Burkholder's work and you know Marco. Uh, so I would have never found that. Just you know, <laughs> keep reading uh, Life in Hell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, question number two what cartoonist doesn't get enough praise oh good question I don't <laughs> I don't know um probably uh Phoebe Gleckner just cause she's like my favorite <laughs> comic artist and maybe cause her body of work is like relatively smaller than other people that I consider to be as iconic as her um but I just think she's the best in the world and one. Um, but yeah, I wish she had more stuff, but I understand. Like, I'm also, like, put out not that much work and can understand how it would be, like, very draining. But mm-hmm. uh, she's the best. All right, that brings an interesting question to mind. I'm going to try and figure out how to formulate it. The problem of how much do you separate the artist from their, you know, avatar within the story. You know, the artist as the character within mm-hmm. the comic. Which, your stories are so heightened that I think that the challenge a reader has is, is probably not as pronounced in that way. Reading those stories, it would be impossible to take them as, you know, straightforward graphic right. memoir, I think. Yeah. Unless you were very new to comics and mm-hmm. the world. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but when you're telling those stories... Do you have a measure of like, how much distance there is between you, the cartoonist, and Gina Winbrandt? Is Winbrandt and not Winbrandt, right? Yeah, Winbrandt. <laughs> the character yeah. in those stories? Um, does it vary? It does. I mean, definitely in my work, I think I started out being a bit more straightforward autobio, and then I get more and more um, into like a surreal place. Um, I think it's because I want to, like, it's therapeutic to do autobio and I want to express myself, mm-hmm. but I also worry that it's not interesting. So, um, it's just kind of like, I view myself as, like, I am the character and I just put myself in a fictional, uh, 
seen to in, uh, react how I imagine I'll react. So I do feel like I'm really representing myself, but I'm mm-hmm. not showing like true events. If that makes sense. Like, oh yeah. And um, I don't know. It's been it's interesting because it's like no, that's really me. Uh, but people, um, I don't know, don't think that it's serious or like I don't know. Just because in the way of like. Yes, my book's called Someone Please Have Sex With Me, but uh, I very, extremely infrequently actually get, like, hit on, (laughs) but I thought that would really work. (laughs) (laughs) And then, like, um, I don't know, yeah, it is interesting. I don't, I I feel like I confuse myself sometimes to, Mm -hmm. like, how serious it is and how serious it's not. Um, Like... Uh, for example, recently I was trying to have sex online <laughs> and was trying to coordinate something with this guy, uh-huh. and he like added me on Snapchat. I didn't mention anything about what I do, and he like googled my Snapchat name and found out who I am and what I wrote, and like that made him not want to like meet me or see me because mm-hmm. he's like, I don't want to be a comic, and I'm like, he was afraid of you're to end up in a story. Like, <laughs> he would never make the cut, uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm like mad at myself that I've. Myself a bit. <laughs> that is the peril of yeah. the, the graphic memoir, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yes. Because you are creating these fictional situations for uh, Gina Winbrand, the character, you then, as a storyteller, have to make choices about what a character does in a situation. Have you learned anything about yourself or how you see yourself based on having to make those choices as a storyteller? Yeah, it's like. It does make myself want to grow or challenge myself, or I don't know. It's like I'm pointing out, my point of when I'm doing that is to point out my worst flaws, to like kind of accept them or, or be okay with them, which is good. But then on the other hand, I feel like I don't grow or like don't <laughs> challenge myself, or I'm just like, actually it's okay to be like, um, like a really immature, uh, horny, lazy person, <laughs> and actually that's good. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's kind of bad. <laughs> How much have you done in the way of telling stories with an out-and-out fictional protagonist? Or not really at all. There was there was one comic I did in school that was before I got into autobio, where I wrote a story about um, this fictional bullfighter who. Um, wants to be famous and like makes a sex tape mm-hmm. um, but like it really wasn't funny <laughs> I don't know it's just like I was trying to like satirize Entourage and like by making him like this modern Entourage of the bullfighter yeah. I hope that script sees the light of day someday I'd like to <laughs> no, read that no it was, it was made the, the comic but, oh what's it called Francisco but I'd like no one has it you know like it's not I pulled it from every place okay. you could get it so in the um, career retrospective collection yes exactly 30 years from now we'll... yeah <laughs> but I don't know I think growing up like my some of my biggest comedy influences are definitely like stand up so I feel like I just relate better to talking from my point of view than mm-hmm. like imagining what other people I don't know, I grew up an only child and not having a lot of friends, so I feel like I don't really understand people, and I'm just always, like, very, I don't know, only child, thinking about myself, and it's hard to, like, write from another person's point of view, and that's, I think, a lot, another reason why I pick um, my uh, castmates as being, like, celebrities and other public figures, because it's like, oh, they already, like, have this 
packaged and marketed mm-hmm. personality that I know and consume so I can just repurpose it for my own stories sure rather than like trying to take someone I know who's like a complex you know <laughs> layered individual and like translate it's easier to like use other personas that makes them instantly legible for the reader right. too yeah. I think like with your uh, Kim Kardashian BMA's mm-hmm. story yeah everyone knows like who this figure is supposed to be and I don't have to you know create waste time you know explaining the character well, who were the stand-ups that struck a chord with you when you were growing up um I like David Cross and um Chris Rock and I really liked Jim Gaffigan in high school and you know I loved Dane Cook in eighth grade <laughs> and freshman year of high school um but I don't know I just always watch you know whoever's on Comedy Central special our third question question number three is What's the most widely loved comic you can't connect with? Uh, I there's so many like that I haven't read or tried to read. Um, we were I was assigned to read from hell and like didn't want to read it. <laughs> like it's supposed to be great. But, this was during art school. Yeah, um, but yeah, I have it, but I still like haven't read it. I don't know. I don't like the lettering. It's hard to read or something. <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't read that many comics. <laughs> Question number four, then. Uh, you can send one comic back in time to yourself at 14. What is that comic and why? Ooh. I mean, yeah, I would probably send some Phoebe Gleckner or, like, Chester Brown. I think right around 14 I was, like, I think I had read, like, my first Ivan Brunetti comic and was mm-hmm. like, ooh, comics can be like this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> But, um, yeah, or maybe, like, Julie Doucet or something, or, um, some, something smutty. <laughs> well, let's, let's keep talking about, uh, autobiographical comics and that sort of storytelling for a second. Um, you have a large social media presence as well. Do you feel like you have more distance in comics than you do you know, representing yourself online, say. Um, I know social media, obviously, is more immediate, so the storytelling choices a person makes in comics are definitely more deliberate, but I feel like there, too, it, it certainly seems like it behooves a working cartoonist to be very present mm-hmm. on social media, to have, like, a recognizable personality there. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I think my social media presence is just like a carryover of my regular personality and I think um, that's part of why in my comics I've never felt the need to like let me tell you an actual story of something that happened to me because you can just walk up to me and be like um Kina like how was fucking that guy last (laughs) night and I'll be like well this is what happened (laughs) so I don't know my personality is just very TMI and oversharing so yeah, that's what that is my what my Twitter is like. Where I it's I'm very unfiltered, but I don't think anyone should like pay me money to like read a story about something that happened. Or I don't know. Just I read so much bad autobio that I'm terrified <laughs> of doing that. Where it's just like, oh look at me, I uh, <laughs> I'm drinking coffee in a cafe and I'm sad. Or yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, 
What's the change you'd like to see across the comics industry? Hmm. I think since I came from like uh, a university setting of comics, it's very hard to critique comics. I think, <laughs> or I don't know. I know you do comic criticism, but I don't <laughs> like read like reviews of comics that much. But I don't know. I just remember being in the classroom. Like everyone is so happy that someone we were all doing comics mm-hmm. that it's like, yeah, we're fucking doing it, and that's awesome. But it's like at the same time, I think there's a lot of like so-so comics. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I wish. Uh, there has to be a better way to be critical of comics, or maybe it just is dependent on comics being, or alternative comics being more widely read or something, or for the people to care about finding good things versus bad. I remember uh, reading another interview with you uh, where you talked about wanting to be, for a minute, a music journalist. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> when I was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like this could get boring in a hurry because... I am more interested in, in the writing and ethic of criticism than probably anyone listening <laughs> to this podcast. But, but yeah, what was the process of, of you know falling out of love with criticism for you? Um, well, I just, I don't think, I, I did want to be a music journalist when I was in eighth grade, but I don't think I'm a very good writer, and um, <laughs> that's probably why I shouldn't do it. But uh, I don't know. I mean... Why are you saying like why I wouldn't review comics? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Cause yeah, I like to people too much like as a person to be like like I have a lot of comics friends and acquaintances where I really enjoy their company and like talking about comics or being at events with them or stuff. But um, their actual comics I don't like at all, and there's just no <laughs> way for that to <laughs> come up. I mean, I really admire like. Simon Hansen's Truth Stone, like how he is, like he, you know, skewers bad mm-hmm. comics. <laughs> but I'm way too much of a pussy to do. I wish, yeah, I wish there was more stuff like that. But <laughs> not everyone is as uh, cutting as Simon. Yeah, is. <laughs> he's in a, a place where he can afford to be yes, too. Yes, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question. Number six. I'll bottle the, the other thoughts I have about criticism, okay. so this isn't just me barfing on the <laughs> mic about, about the state of comics criticism mm-hmm. in 2017. Mm-hmm. What's the closest you've come to quitting cartooning? Oh, God. Probably now. <laughs> I haven't made comics, uh, like a good comic, in like two years. Yeah, let's talk about that, because you, <laughs> on Twitter recently, alluded to uh, being commissioned to do a comic, mm-hmm. said something to the effect of, well, I guess I still do comics. Yeah. Yeah, I'm supposed to do a three-page comic for Lifted Brow by the end of the summer, uh, I mean, the end of July, but um, I don't know, it's it's very hard for me to make myself do comics right now, I don't think anything I'm doing is good right now, it's been hard, because I started doing comics in school, so mm-hmm. like, I like having deadlines and structure like that. So it was a struggle once I graduated, but I still, like, found other ways to impose, like, a structure on me. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'll have a new mini for cake, or I'm going to do a reading at Brain Frame, and I need to have something new. But um, then it's been harder to find stuff like that. I even asked, you know, Brad Roloff and Matt Davis, like, oh, please let me do Seen That Dead, their comics reading, um, a few months ago, because that will force me to do something new. 
and I really tried, but I just um, hated everything I was doing, <laughs> and I had to read an old comic um, for that reading. And um, I, well, the other thing is, I wrote my book uh, while I was living at home with my mom, mm-hmm. and I only had to work part time, and I could just take time off. Um, now I work full time, and it's just like I feel like I, so much energy goes to my day job. I just want to come home and relax. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so lazy. I think it will change, it's, but it's just, I look at people like, you know, Simon Hansman or Noah Van Skyver or other people who are so productive and I just feel like shit that I've basically done 20 pages a year for <laughs> five years. And anyways, I don't really know how to put a nice bow on that, but <laughs> yeah, I've been struggling. Life is long, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting then that it's so much of it is the effect of the day-to-day experience, and not it's not the anxiety that comes with being the spotlight. It sounds like mm-hmm. it's more so the circumstantial life. Stuff. Yeah, it's it's mostly life stuff. Like when I was writing my Tiger Beat exclusive comic that's in my book, mm-hmm. um, it took me it's like a twenty-page comic that took me like eighteen months to do. Because I was really depressed and like kept rewriting it, and then I like went on antidepressants, and it was much easier to finish it. But I don't know. Even though my work's really silly and surreal, it is about you know my self-esteem and whatever. And I don't know. I think Alison Bechtel has a good quote. I think it's in "Are You My Mother?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, where she says something about it's really hard to like. I'm paraphrasing, like, actively work or create something while you're, like, going through it. So I just kind of need some distance between whatever I'm going through right now to get back into doing work that examines my life. Yeah. Because I'm just worried about writing really shitty, sad... (laughs) I don't know if I was just like, I woke up, I'm sad, like the end like I there's so much of that <laughs> I if, if I ever wrote a comic that wasn't funny it would be so horrible <laughs> I guess it's a, a net good thing mm-hmm. that you have that filter that a lot of cartoonists don't have the coffee shop yeah <laughs> poignant quiet right on a bottom strip mm-hmm. yeah that's interesting to me uh the usefulness on the one hand of comics and art at large as a means of wrangling with something with like depression mm-hmm. but on the other hand the value of that kind of distance and you know giving you the perspective that, you know a storyteller needs to make it something entertaining entertaining and readable. readable yeah <laughs> for sure I don't know I hope you make more comics <laughs> I will I will there's one question that I took off the list a while back, but I do want to ask it because of uh, what you said about when you wrote those earlier strips. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does your mother think about your work? <laughs> You've alluded to her on Twitter, I believe. My mom's my biggest fan, for sure. She loves all my work and you know tells people at her job about it, and they're a bit weirded out. Like, where they just know, like, why is this woman telling me about her daughter someone who's had sex with me book? That seems like something she should be ashamed of. But she is such a big fan. I mean, we have... 
there are definitely things that have been hard for her. Um, at first, she didn't really get like how much was a joke and how much was real. Mm-hmm. But we really do have similar sense of humor where we think, you know, dicks are hilarious <laughs> and. You know, I don't know. It's also kind of funny where my mom and dad got divorced when I was three, so I just always grew up having, like, a single unmarried mom and watching her date. So it's like she also mm-hmm. knows this is hard to, like, date. Um, yeah, I couldn't ask for a more supportive mom, um, really. But, uh, I mean, and also, you know, her letting me, you know, live with her and be able to write the book. Like, I couldn't have done it without mm-hmm. her support. On the other hand, my dad is really not a fan. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. I mean, he will never read it, and he can't say it in my book title out loud. How um, familiar is he with the work you've done? He's seen the cover of my book. Uh, he read my One Less Only Girl, Justin Bieber's mm-hmm. story, because it's relatively tame. Um, I gave him a mini-comic of Tiger Bee exclusive, but I don't know if he read it. Yeah, he's extremely conservative, and he's only gotten more conservative as he's gotten older. He's definitely, like, brainwashed by cable news and stuff, and, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, on the other hand, he's, like, a businessman, so he's like, hmm, well, sex sells, I guess. Like, <laughs> if he can, like, if I can one day be, like, successful enough to, like, support myself off my work, he would be impressed, but, like, he's always suggesting that I write the story about my little sister's imaginary friends that she had... <laughs> When she was five, Mr. Ginger Hill and Lewis. She's like, There's a great story there. <laughs> I'm like, that's not what I what I want to work on, Dad. <laughs> the mention of uh, conservatism makes me wonder: Have you had any encounters, like online, with you know the internet alt right? Your work seems like the sort of thing that would like w- make them mad, make them like wilt in in the harsh light of the the, the books, ideally. Yeah. Thankfully not, but I do worry about that because <laughs> I feel like I am truly like a caricature of like a fat entitled feminist, like <laughs> like something that they would hate. <laughs> um, I'm really happy nothing's happened so far, but I would welcome their criticism. <laughs> I don't know. I also read like um, the this. I'm obsessed with this incels board on Reddit, involuntary celibacy guys that don't know oh. sex and there is like a lot of like you know right wing overlap definitely sure. lots of misogyny directing that anger back out at the world yes so I lo- I, on one hand I like it because it's like on a base level I relate to them feeling like we had these expectations about what you know our love lives would be <laughs> that are not met but on the other hand like some of them really really hate women and like you know, they'll post screenshots of girls they are, that are bad or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But they're not sympathetic to any woman mm-hmm. who says that she can't have sex because any woman can just be like, is someone have sex I mean, so they would not be sympathetic to my... Even though I think that we have a common ground, sure. they would, like, want to kill me. There's because the of, assumption that it's yeah, easier for women. Yes. I mean, it, but it is. I mean, <laughs> um, but... Uh, it's still not good enough. <laughs> now, I want to loop back to something you touched on earlier. This is one of the things that was okay. that was uh, going through my head mm-hmm. a, a second ago. You talked about performing your strips. You mm-hmm. uh, had a presence at Brain Frame yeah. in the past, that uh, Chicago reading series. Mm-hmm. I wondered if you could speak for a second about 
the process of you know drawing these strips that have you as the lead character and then performing these strips about yourself as yourself for an audience <laughs> and what that's like. Uh-huh. I, I think it's great. I mean, I've done a lot of readings at this point, doing one tonight, this one I'm <laughs> here, All Comics 10. Um, but like I said, I have always loved and admired stand-up comedians, but I don't think I have could ever take being the direct focal center of attention, so mm-hmm. I feel a lot more control in control to you know, show a slideshow of drawings and you just hear my voice and even though I think my voice is annoying or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, it's, I have a lot more control than, I don't know, over stand-up, like, there's, you know, some people are really uh, scripted out, but then there's some comedians who are really off the cuff and riff a lot and it's like, I'm, would not <laughs> do well with that, but... I don't know. I'm a Leo. I like being on stage <laughs> and being the center of attention. So, <laughs> and um, uh, I like I love doing comics because it's a like a singular activity, or you know, I like being able to work on something by myself. But then it's harder to have a more social experience, you know, with it. So that's why I, that's another reason why I love doing readings and. performance well let's talk about attention for a second you talked about your hopes for something like a a career in fashion you now have a book that got a lot of review coverage that i think anyone in your corner of the comics world is familiar with Mm -hmm. but comics is also you know when compared to film or popular music a sort of like smaller weirdo corner of the arts and entertainment world do you find yourself, you know, wanting to push at the parameters of that? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I think it's really hard to make a living just doing <laughs> indie comics. I want to work in TV. Um, my I've had offers to option my book for a show. I wasn't sure if I could ask you about that or not. I've heard, I heard about it like third hand. Don't say, any, don't say anything more than you are able to say. But yeah, I was curious about that. Yeah, it's still going on, so uh, there's not a lot I can say, but um, yeah, my book was reviewed in Los Angeles Times, and after that, there are several different companies who approached me, and, you know, it could not work out at all, but I would really enjoy doing that, and I watch, I love TV, and watch so much more TV than I read comics, and I think I only do comics because you can't, like, make a TV show by yourself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But um, I'm way more influenced by, like, TV than anything else. Mm-hmm. I, I'm interested in your trajectory in part because, we, like we talked about a minute ago, you decided very early in your sort of artistic life that you, didn't want, you did not want to be a writer, at least not a journalist. But I think you've also said in interviews, the art in your comics is not secondary, but there are things you could imagine uh, having, like, written as opposed to drawn. So what is your relationship right now to drawing as a stage in that Mm -hmm. storytelling process yeah I do think it's secondary and that is one of my biggest challenges with making a comic is just the drawing part I I like coming up with ideas and plotting story structure and stuff like that but drawing is so hard (laughs) and um, 
I don't know, I chose to do my work in this, like, really unsustainable style of, like, draw. I draw every panel, basically, from a photograph. <laughs> and, I, yeah, it would be so much easier if I just gave... I want to have, like, a, a Jeff Koons studio with <laughs> other intern cartoonists who I just give them a little bullet point list and... That would, that would make you the most controversial person in comics, <laughs> yes, I think. This art comics studio running yes. photo referenced <laughs> yeah. comic producer. That like genuinely, like you, you would be the Jeff Koons of yes. the old comics yeah. world that way in terms of this amb- ambivalence and controversy. Yeah, and, and I won't let them unionize. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you uh, one more question about the possibility of TV. How much have you thought? about the experience of seeing yourself played by someone else and what that might be like. On the gut level, what is your reaction when you think about something like that? I think that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the angle I'm going with now is animated, Mm -hmm. but there was someone who approached me and wanted to do a live-action thing, and they're like, who do you think would play yourself? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, well, first they asked me if I would want to, but I think that would be horrible. <laughs> but they, the person they were suggesting was like Rebel Wilson, <laughs> which is funny. I don't think I would like that, even though I don't think there's anything wrong with her. I just don't relate to her at all. Like, I think she's really pretty and um, funny and bubbly. And um, I'm more sad and twisted I feel like <laughs> I don't look at her and well I don't know but yeah I thought that I'm like I don't it would feel really weird mm-hmm. to see someone else play myself um, but yeah my, but then I was also like I also don't want a white girl to play me even though I'm only half white mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways it's not going to happen <laughs> and question number seven what's the best advice you've heard about making comics Hmm. inside or outside of the academy I think starting out I don't know if where I heard this or if it was or just like my own philosophy I think is just like if you have good taste and put good work out there I think it gets found and like it's kind of just about finding your audience mm-hmm. I mean I've only put out one book, but I feel like it's been, you know, well-received and well-recognized, and I've got to do things that I wouldn't expect for this early in my career, but it's just because the right people saw it and because I have tried to put myself out there a lot. Uh, so I think just getting as many eyes and hands on your work as possible is really important. Like, uh, when I started out selling mini-comics, I would you know, sell them at cost or lose money on them usually mm-hmm. just because I like people need to know who I am. And I think that was like a really important move for me. And the inverse of that question number eight, what's the worst decision you made as a cartoonist? <laughs> um, to like give up. <laughs> yeah, it's important to just keep making work but so you can evolve but I feel a bit paralyzed by I don't want to fail publicly mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah probably keep keep cartooning is something I should do that uh, I have failed to do <laughs> now you're performing later tonight with uh, Gabrielle Bell among other cartoonists mm-hmm. who does here in the month of July and every July a diary comic so I'm curious have you ever considered 
as a way of, and I, I ask this as a question, not as, let me give you some advice, you know, which is not, not at all what it is, which, which would be mortifying. Uh, but like as someone who's already doing autobiographical work of a kind, or is there no sort of middle ground for you in terms yeah. of the way you make your work? I would not completely rule it out. I like what the comics journal does, where they have the like five day mm-hmm. diary. Like if they asked me to do that, I would probably do it. <laughs> but just, um, I don't think like I would release a mini or something that was just a diary. Question number nine: What work from another medium has influenced you the most? I guess we've already touched on stand up. Stand up for sure, but I watch a ton of sitcoms too, and I think that's where I get all of my pacing and mm-hmm. timing. Are those the same thing? But <laughs> if you say they're opposite things, people will <laughs> assume that you're smart, they're yeah. dumb, and that they're not getting the nuance. Go with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've grown up loving The Simpsons and Daria and. Uh, yeah, I watch a ton of sitcoms. I loved Community. Um, yeah, at, right now when the sitcom is sort of in a weird transitional phase, what are you going to that's out now that you most enjoy sitcom-wise? Um, I've been watching Chewing Gum on Netflix. Um, I think that constitutes, yeah, that's a sitcom base, but it's sort of funny. But yeah, it's really great. It's about like a 24-year-old girl in England who like had really conservative upbringing, but now she's like set on losing her virginity Mm -hmm. and it's like a really fun totally up my alley story and you know I love Broad City of course and uh, I love Nathan for you Mm -hmm. and there's just so I think there's so much great sitcoms right now I I don't think they make there's barely any good comedy movies anymore they're so hard to make good they're so like over focus grouped or something a lot of, there's no good <laughs> comedy in theaters, but there, I still think there's yeah so many awesome TV shows. I can totally see how those things could fit in the constellation with your work too. Mm-hmm. Like Nathan Pre, I'm big a big fan of. Yeah, and I, you get the impression he has a similar sort of relationship with performing himself, totally. where it's it's critique, but mm-hmm. also just. On, in some weird way, yeah. basic self-expression too. Yeah, and he's not afraid to like make himself look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Show his butt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question number ten, our final question: Aliens have made contact with Earth, and they seem benevolent, but we still want to make a good impression. You've been selected to introduce them to comics. Oh, so, what comic do you give them first? <laughs> um. Bye bye Earth. <laughs> um, uh, what should what would Earth be worth saving for? Mm. Yeah, is Earth worth saving? <laughs> Better question. The world's on fire. Um, we can throw in the towel. Also, <laughs> that should be an option. I think you should read. Uh, I'll make them read. St. Cole by Noah Van Skyver, and then they'll destroy the Earth anyways because <laughs> it's so depressing. <laughs> but that's one of my favorite books. <laughs> cool. All right, well, let's end on that. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Greg.